Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. The thing that hip hop taught me the most is not- 60% of the time, it works every time. It smells more Chinese, you know, it? Sort of sweet and sour. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Tell me why ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking and don't settle. So this is stupid. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Damn! Boy, that escalated quickly. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. to be studio quality. So cheers, right? Boom, Boom, and we're back. Today I'm here with Diego, a fake Mexican that looks Spanish. He's actually coming to us from Switzerland. I don't know what the fuck he's doing there. <laughs> Diego, say hi. Who the fuck are you and what hey, are you doing? What's up? Who am I? Isn't that the question we are all asking ourselves? Um, yeah, I'm a Quite genuine Mexican, as you would uh, not expect from my looks. But uh, yeah, I'm not the cliche version of a Mexican, but I am. Born and raised in Mexico City for 25 years. Then I had a bit of a adventure that I'm... I think you're aware that I had. I went to live in Dubai for a year and a half. Well, actually, prior to that, I think it's relevant to say that uh, I studied applied math in Mexico. Uh, so kind of like the, quite a nerdy thing to do, if you ask me, but uh, also not the cliche version of a nerd, which is something that I pride myself about. Well, it's cool to be, it's sexy to be a nerd these days, right? Is it? You say you're not sexy? Oh, you just say it's I not am. sexy, bro. <laughs> no, you can't take that back. You on different levels, back. on different levels, yeah. <laughs> so what did you do? Wait, so you did apply math and then you worked in Dubai for a year and a half. And then didn't you travel Asia as well on the on that trip? When I was living in, in Dubai, uh, I would take these trips, uh, not so long trips, unfortunately, to Asia. The first trip I did was Sri Lanka, which absolutely blew my mind away. It was everything that I expected and more. I don't know why I had this uh, weird dream of mine, even before going to Dubai, that I wanted to go to Sri Lanka. I read a couple of things I don't remember when, but I did. And then I was like, yeah, it's one of these weird ideas that get stuck on your head 
you don't necessarily know why or when it got stuck, but then it's just there. And then it was really amazing to be able to do it. I went there for, I think like around 10 days. I did like the typical going to the beach and do like a couple of days of surfing, pretty chilled over there. And then I went to some of the very touristy stuff. So what other countries did you go to apart from Dubai? I went to Thailand, which was not at all what I was expecting. Actually, Sri Lanka was what I was expecting of Thailand. Uh, but then I realized that Thailand was more of a party destination, at least <laughs> the places that I went to. I went to um, Copanyan, of course, full moon party. I also went to Phuket, Riley Beach, these places, and uh, finally finished like one night in Bangkok. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't that crazy, but I could see glimpses of how fucked up it can get over there. I'll tell you a story real quick. Why, why do you think I'm here, man? Yeah, go yeah. Ahead, tell me that story. So I went with uh, with probably my closest friend from Dubai. He's this guy, uh, Algerian guy. His name's Nadal. He's he's great. He's a really good uh, guy. You you would have a lot of fun with him. And there was some crazy, crazy stories in Thailand. But the one that I <laughs> that was quite funny, like it didn't even happen to me. It happened to him. So he did this Tinder match with this girl uh, in Bangkok, namely. Like we were already in Bangkok, and that was like kind of our last night. He he matched with this. I don't remember where she was from, but she was not Thai. Uh, she was uh, something like Central European or something like that. I can't really remember, but she was European. We set up this meeting. We go to a bar. Like, it was a rooftop bar. At the beginning, it was like the three of us, right? And I felt sort of like the third weird, but I was like, yeah, just a couple of minutes and then I'll fuck off and then uh, walk around. But during those minutes, she was coming up with the craziest stories about Thailand, about Bangkok, sorry. Namely, she was saying like stuff like, oh no, people in here, they do some partying and if they get involved with the wrong crowd, they like, they just get lost. Like people just disappear. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I want to go out partying now <laughs> because we were <laughs> supposed to hit the clubs after that, right? Yeah, it was like the, the bar and then... Was it was it a threat? Was this girl saying to you guys like, if you want to get lost, I'm the motherfucker to speak to. Was that what she's saying? No, I don't think so. I think it was more of um, I don't know if she was trying to be interesting, you know, like, oh, this is like, if you get uh, in this town, if you get around with the wrong people, you might end up in the wrong places and that's how badass i am like i live here in this crazy town i don't know if it was something like that or it was more of a like a war you know yeah exactly she was like like be actual uh careful in here which i took it like quite seriously <laughs> and i remember saying to this guy uh to nadal at the beginning of the trip this was not even once we arrived to anchor but i told him like dude there's a reputation <laughs> for thai girls so, well, that they're not Thai girls. <laughs> they're more like Thai boys. <laughs> so I was telling him, like, you got to, like, be sure. You know, I don't know how you want to make sure that it's a girl, but uh, just be careful. And the motherfucker wouldn't, wouldn't even care. He would just go ahead and, like, I remember that in another uh, nightclub in Phuket, I went for, to get a drink. I was talking to a girl. Then I turn around and the guy is not with one, but with two Thai girls, like holding them, you know, like hand on hand. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's so funny. And the guy, like, he's like two meters tall. And, and imagine like all these small, <laughs> tiny Thai girls, one in each hand. And I was like, do they turn out to be Thai girls? 
I I don't remember. I, I, I nothing really <laughs> happened. Nothing really happened. He just um, yeah, he basically just was fucking around, like having drinks and and dancing, but nothing really happened after that. So besides Thailand, I also did Vietnam, which is also fucking amazing. Uh, I did the north, but not the south. I think I've told you about this before. Then I I, I went for to Singapore for a couple of days, and finally. After I left Dubai, I decided to do a month traveling and I hit um, Indonesia. So I went basically to Bali and to the Gilis and I was there for like a week and a half or so. And then from there, I, I went to, to New Zealand, which is not Asia anymore, <laughs> but I did New Zealand after that three weeks. Wow. So you actually went to a lot of different places on that trip. That's awesome. You've also done a fair bit of Europe. I'm guessing as well, right? Yeah, that was um, a bit uh, before. So before I moved to Dubai, I also got to do this Euro trip one summer. And I did like the, the classicals. Uh, I arrived to Greece. I was in Mykonos for a while, uh, which was, it's also a crazy party town. Very interesting. Then I went to Ibiza, <laughs> then um, Valencia, one day in Barcelona, and then we flew to Lisbon just so that we could uh, catch our plane to Belgium because we were going to Tomorrowland. I did this with, with another friend of mine. We went to Tomorrowland for like, uh, well, the whole three days, uh, actually four days. We did like a pre-party or something. And then I just went to Germany, and then Paris, you know, the, the, the classicals, but uh, interesting, I would say like a bit more interesting uh, places in Europe. I've been to Croatia. Uh, that was like two year, 2017, I went to Croatia. You went to King's Landing? Yeah, yeah, Dubrovnik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, it blew my mind also. Like it was just, it wasn't that expensive and it was quite nice, uh, good party scene and Delicious food, great weather, great beaches. Mate, we should go. That sounds cool. I would love to. I would love to experience Croatia. I've heard good things. They have this festival. I think it's called Outlook, and it's like one of the biggest hip hop festivals in, in Europe. Really? Yeah, it's become quite the scene. And and sometimes uh, my my friend has played there for a few years in a row, uh, but obviously now it's a bit crazy. But I would love to go back or go to Croatia and experience that. Why don't you tell the people how we met? Like, where did we first bump heads? We met at good old Wiseline, didn't we? <laughs> so basically, after after I moved back to Mexico from, from Dubai, weirdly enough, I didn't go back to Mexico City, which is where I'm originally from. I moved to Guadalajara straight away. Honestly, I would say it's a great city too. These days, I'm really missing it. Uh, but it's a great city. It's uh, kind of like the, the typical cool city that is not the capital of the country but it's got also quite a lot of stuff happening at least uh at least in, in my head for quite a lot of people in the capital they're like oh no it's it's quite boring it's this small town but with four million people i think it's got a pretty decent size but yeah we met over there in wise line what did we do the first time that we met uh, was it because of the coca-cola project or no well i think we played basketball so at Wiseline, it was uh, in like the Kodak facilities, right? For the people that don't know. Yeah. And we basically took over this like huge warehouse. We called it Wise One because that was the building number one. And there was a half court basketball court inside. And like I turn up to work 
because you know it's my first day and i'm starting in guadalajara i turn up and i'm like what the fuck is that that's awesome <laughs> there's a hoop there and then one day like randomly on tuesday or something i can't remember which day it was people started playing basketball and i was like this is amazing like this is what i've always wanted at a company that i work in that we can actually play basketball so probably we played first together as a group because if you remember there was quite a few people that played when i joined yeah. uh, or there was a at least a regular session and then it started getting less and less people and then the the same motherfuckers basically played all the time we joined yeah. the league we probably played basketball on the informal just as a as a work group first and then we met each other on the coca-cola project did you come to mexico city when we traveled for that or were you just was that was that anna that came right i think it was anna i, I did a trip to mexico city too with the white flying academy but i don't remember you being, i think you weren't there basketball tuesdays were sort of also like a regular thing for a while and then i remember i was like oh, uh basketball tuesdays are starting to be not that great anymore but yeah. we did the league too which we sucked at it but it was good fun to be honest like it was really good like I really enjoyed uh, playing basketball during my Wiseline times. It was uh, it was good fun, and, and and that way we got to do something like we didn't even need to move, right? Like the hoop that that you were mentioning, that the hoop was like right there in the middle of the open space to 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 work. That was crazy. We could just like literally, oh, okay, it's seven. Let's throw some hoops. Yeah, exactly. Once it hit that time, I was like, I'm not working anymore. Fuck this. And I'll just shoot. And like, there was a timing, right? Either it was half six or seven, but uh, yeah, we would start playing and then everybody would be like, these guys are so annoying. And everybody <laughs> just goes home and that, that was perfect for us. There was even this time where we actually created a Spotify playlist with like really ghetto music and just played loud in a, in a, in a speaker. <laughs> and everyone was like, What's wrong with these people? Don't they know this is work? <laughs> and we we're like, nah, it's not work, man. It's fucking Tuesday basketball. What the fuck? We started playing on Thursday as well, twice a week, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, fuck those motherfuckers. It's it's yeah, it's basketball or nothing, motherfuckers. Okay, so yeah, we started working on this pro- uh, Coca Cola project together. I think originally yeah. you weren't assigned. I think originally it was Anna, and then you basically joined the project a bit later or something otherwise you would have traveled with us because another designer was traveling with me so it was me anna yvonne and potentially another project manager we traveled to cdmx no wait wait i now i do remember yeah i was there of course that we remember that we went to this offices with all the teams right like the different uh suppliers for coca-cola that they had this uh also this other I don't know how to call it, but it was like a design studio. They were designing experiences, maybe. And uh, they had some really cool proposals, of course, because it's like, it's the designing phase, right? Like anything is, it's 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 possible and like, let's not limit ourselves. But then uh, we were thinking like, how is this going to go down in reality? Like <laughs> how much of this are we going to be able to achieve? Yeah, that was super ambitious. And it's basically this really, really expensive marketing stunt, right? That's all mm-hmm. it is. It's not really a viable thing. So when I first started the project, it was like Coca-Cola. Oh, that's really cool. And I was like, okay, cool. And then when we turn up, I actually didn't know that there was like a second vendor, the one that you mentioned, 
that was mm -hmm. you know a design studio they basically built the wearable so it's this wearable product that is attached to a t-shirt that athletes wear and then the whole point of it was coca-cola trying to push their product powerade as the the number one hydration product so this this like the data you get from this little wearable is supposed to track your hydration and we're like okay what kind of data does it give how do you measure hydration like there's all these questions we're just like what, have they ever thought about this like on the concept it, it sounded amazing like it really fluffy there's no we had to like speak to like a you i think you guys went to like a nutritionist and all this stuff right we we did want to like we actually got in touch with some people like nutritionists that weren't even that informed about like hydration because we were like okay how like yeah exactly just what you were saying like how do we even measure hydration what does that mean right and it turned out that like not even nutritionists were that informed about how that is measured and even worse the thing was that the the wearable was like half a step away from being the mvp so it was like they got something that was like barely uh out of, outside of production you know like outside of their beta concept and and they were like yeah go ahead use it <laughs> i mean the fact that I think the rationale was like we build it and they're the sensors and they're throwing something uh, and you can like we've managed to integrate it into this t-shirt but um, they didn't do any more like quality testing on that anymore like when when i started going through the data that they had it was like all noisy and if like you had certain movements and you were expecting to see certain behavior and the sensor would give data that was nothing like it. So it was like, I don't know what this is, but the sensors are not working properly. They're throwing something for sure, but they're not working properly. So it was just this whole mayhem, as you said, was just this publicity stunt, but they actually wanted to, to like get something out of it. And it was just, uh, it was not good. <laughs> it, I mean, for me, it was like, okay, I need to learn about all these things like kinematics and some more like physics related stuff. And like the physics of sports, which I find quite interesting. But given the budget and the timeline that we had, I was like, I don't know what we're going to come out. Like, how are we going to come out of this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. A company has lots of money. They have an ambitious project. What can you do? Like, how much of it can you do? And, you know, it's Coca-Cola, right? They have, yeah. you know, a budget that's fucking huge. They, they probably just got to spend it anyway like you know like without exactly. even thinking about it because and uh so for the ux side it was like okay we'll take that data that we get that we kind of formulate like we say all right well based on these uh things this is the hydration level or whatever and then we basically display it on a dashboard and then we like give the user the ability to sort of slice it in different ways right like what whatever the ways are right or maybe it's like oh well you know track it through through days through weeks what's the optimum level but even then it was like shit <laughs> this is like first you have unreliable data and then also you have an unreliable product right that's that's not even giving good data and then oh man there was just so many different things like i remember that like the the last thing that we needed for it to be unreliable was that there was not going to be enough data because what we wanted to do was like, okay, what if we come up with this approach of we take a big sample and out of this sample, we should be able to see something, you know, like 
So what do we need for this? Okay, so we I remember this pretty well. Like we set out to uh, design the experiment, right? And uh, we actually read quite some papers on like hydration. How would you do it? And like how does do you measure that? And there were several approaches. One involved like having people's weight recorded before any activity. And of course, like giving them some uh, hydration and then have them perform a certain activity. And of course, this was this was focused on the World Cup, right? Football World Cup. That's why they had this budget for publicity stunts. And then, but basically the idea is that you have someone's weight before and after an activity. And you can assume that the weight lost after the activity is basically dehydration, right? And so we came up with this proposal to have like a lot of people basically playing football and doing some drills and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, drills that people in football teams actually perform for training and, and, and whatever, right? Because it's not just about sprinting. It's like about doing turns and uh, whatever, zigzagging, you name it. And we were like, okay, we're going to need this, like, this, this many amount of people. And they were like, oh, no, we can't do that. We don't have enough money to get people playing or measuring stuff. So I think it's better if we just like sort of do a call for like a public event in which people start playing these small games between each other. And then we just uh, get the data out of there. I'm like, what in the name of the Lord are you talking about? Like, how are we going to get reliable data out of this? Uh, they were like, yeah, like no, no, don't worry about it. Like, it's not too serious. Don't worry. It's not too serious about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, if it's not too serious, then just come up with some random numbers and throw them in there because there's no data science to do, right? Yeah, and I remember uh, you you guys designing that experiment where we had to run from one side of the basketball court to the other and a few times, and I remember I did that a few times, and you, you did it with a bunch of people in the office, and we had to wear something, you know, like the tracker, right? You had to tape the tracker onto exactly. us. Exactly. So that was interesting. So I was at the beginning of this project, you know, helping Yvonne kind of get her feet wet because she was, uh, she just joined. So I was leading the project from the beginning, and then I completely handed it off to her. But actually, what ended up happening? What ended up happening? <laughs> you gave up. You gave up. You were like, no, oh, no, fuck like, this. I'm leaving. Even trials that you're mentioning that we did at WiseLine 1, uh, I was crunching the data on that. And I was like, okay, at least we could, like, it had an accelerometer, right? So basically, in theory, you could uh, get the velocity at which someone is running, right? And I, I was crunching the numbers and, like, they made no sense. Absolutely no sense. And then uh i was like what like what is happening you know like I, I don't understand why this is making absolutely no sense at all uh we were using different people we were using different uh schemes and so on so i was like okay we need to do a basic measurement something that is like the standard right uh so i remember that i started to talk to this other data scientist uh on wiseline that he was a physicist and he was like okay what if we try to record or try to get the numbers straight on gravity? Like we should be able to measure the acceleration gravity is uh, basically uh, doing on the wearable, right? And we also did some other stuff like, okay, uh, it, it also had a magnetometer, which basically it's a compass basically. 
And we would also do, do these standard measurements, like, okay, if we are rotating a certain amount of degrees, we should see this behavior in the data. And none of that was happening. So when we went, I think we went back to Mexico City for a second time, or we just had a call. And we basically, uh, like, you feel guilty at the time that you have to say, uh, well, the work that all of these people, the suppliers of the wearable are doing, it's basically shit. <laughs> because, like, we're not seeing any of the standard measurements that we should see. And I think they were like, okay, sure, we'll get back to that. But how can you give us the the dashboard? And I'm like, there's no dashboard, <laughs> okay? Like, how are you going to get a dashboard if there's no reliable data? But in the end, what I, I sort of remember that what ended up happening was that we stopped the data science work. And we, and that's actually what Wiseland did. Like they said, okay, what we can do is we'll provide you with a framework uh, of a dashboard for when you actually have a working wearable. So we'll have like the, what do you want to call it? The, the player profile, the all the players profile. It's like, basically it was a sort of like a tracking app for a football coach, right? Like this player... Uh, was underperforming this week or this player was good and the overall score of the team looks like that. So in the end, I think that that's what was sort of, well, that was delivered for sure. But on the data science uh, side of things, we just like created, you know, like the classical report of this is what happened. This is what we have here. Here it is in case you want to use it for later. But yeah, the wearable was not giving any reliable information. So we were like, okay, I think, there's not much left to do if we cannot trust the data. That's a bit of a shit show, but that's okay. You know, you obviously moved from WiseLine. What was your decision there and then leading to where you are now? Like what happened at WiseLine for you to exit and then... Oof. Th- those were some crazy years, man, actually, after after you left. Well, I, I, I was at WiseLine for a year and a half, basically. A bit more, actually. And then... I was not seeing progress uh, in myself as a, as a data scientist because there were no, like, it was hard for Wiseling to get some data science projects, like meaningful, right? So at the beginning, for example, with this Coca-Cola deal, we were very excited because we would get to work with, technically speaking, like IoT, right? Uh, and in the end, it didn't, like, materialize in, into anything, right? So it was, like, sort of, I don't know, I think it was around four months or something like that, that we would, yeah, you would be learning a lot uh, we would be learning about kinematics, about wearables, about how sensors work and stuff like that, which is quite interesting. But then like, it's sort of, at least from my perspective, it was sort of frustrating that like the last step of like integration, deployment um, and so on, that wasn't really happening. So uh, then we got like a, a dry spell of projects uh, on data science. And uh, and I was proposing a lot of things to do inside, like some NLP projects and courses so that the whole team would have, because the, the, the data science team had different qualities, different skills and expertise on uh, statistics, uh, visualization, so on, right? And something that I thought it was lacking because it sort of uh, felt that it was the future, especially because Wiseling at a time, I don't know if they are anymore into that, Maybe they are. Um, they were very focused on bots, right? And bots inherently need NLP functionalities. So I was like, okay, what if we get the whole team to be like actually proficient at NLP, 
you know, uh, NLP, well, deep learning with NLP. So that means like sentiment analysis, named entity recognition, uh, and so on, right? So there was this uh, proposal that I did, which was to take this Stanford course on uh, NLP with uh, deep learning. And so we did that for a while. And uh, the idea was that you would watch a couple of lectures and then you would propose something like, oh, we should do this assignment. We should do this other exercise. And we, and we sort of did that, but I feel that not everyone was as interested as, uh, as I was. And of course, since the, let's say the, the, the proposal was not coming from like higher levels, people wouldn't take it really seriously. And there were people that actually had some other projects. So I don't blame them for not, for not following along. But I was, and uh, and I was like, okay, we need to do this, and we need to do this other thing. What if we just create an in-house repertoire of different uh, tools that we can use for when the time comes, when we get the actual project, or when these other teams of bots, for example, are able to open up to us and be like, okay, we need this functionality done, or we are struggling with this, uh, we would be ready, right? And so, like, I developed a couple of uh, in-house solutions. And then I also built another, like, sort of POC for brand detection, right? Uh, Computer vision. Uh, And it was sort of uh, getting there, but we built the whole POC, right? There was a a front-end, a back-end, the whole functionality of, of um, of the computer vision side of things. But by that time, I was already, like, this is like, it's really hard to make progress here. And I don't feel if, if there was like someone championing for me, then I would have like the motivation to keep on going. But then I was like, I don't see that. So I think that uh, it's, it's about time that I explore other, um, other opportunities. And at the time, I was really looking for something that would give me the, um, like, let's say spatial freedom. <laughs> so being able to work remotely like more often every time, right? Which was already like granted uh, at Wiseling that was pretty chilled, but you still needed to be in Guadalajara, right? You needed to be based in Guadalajara. And uh, for me, that was not like, I was looking for even more freedom because at a time I had like a long distance relationship. I don't know if you recall that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, basically I, I after that I joined a startup with a couple of friends that I had met before, like quite a long time ago this uh, mathematician and, and another physicist, which was a startup that was basically data science uh, as a service, like consultancy, basically. And I was there for around eight months or so. This was like truly a startup. It was like three of us doing the technical work, two other guys, uh, a guy and a girl doing management and, and, and that kind of deal. Paperwork, uh, just running office. And, and things were going, were doing good at the beginning. Uh, we had a couple of projects that involved doing like A-B testing, live A-B testing on, on, on marketing ads and so on. We had like sales forecasts and then there were like quite some projects uh, scattered all over. And most of them, we thought they were a done deal. But then when it came to signing contracts and paying fees, some, some of them, quite some of them, they just didn't materialize. And so there was a time where they literally did not pay me. So I was like, I need to pay rent. I need to pay rent. What do you mean you can't pay me? And they're like, yeah, no, we like the customers haven't really 
come down with the payment and we're struggling with liquidity and cash flow. So can you just... That's fucked up, mate. Yeah, that happened. Were you were you on a consultant basis? So you were like hired guns or you were working for the startup? Because if the customer doesn't pay, then that's the company's problem, not the employee's problem, right? The company's job is to pay you. But if you're a hired gun, like if you're a vendor, then it's yeah. like, oh shit, sorry, bro. Like, so what, what capacity were you? No, I was there as a, like, let's say early employee so i even had like the whole uh yeah you're gonna vest some stocks and, and so on so i was like form a uh, proper uh employee you know but they were like we just don't have the money so like even if i wanted to even if i could, like i there's no reason sorry there's no uh, actual way of me paying you because there's no cash so there were some harsh times man because i was like okay i want to do my job properly but how can I, if in the back of my head, there's this constant, like, am I going to be able to pay my rent next, uh, next month, right? So I actually had to go to my old man and be like, can you spare me some bucks because I need to pay rent? <laughs> no, just start going into the company and taking furniture, right? Be like, okay, well, this is like a couple That's of weeks. Thing. They didn't even have it. Like we were at a... Not not even co-working. Well, it is a co-working, but it's one of these places in which you're offered the the, the space with certain services like like Wi-Fi and and so on. Uh, and the only thing and the, and the rent is just like it's just a representative. Like it's not even a rent, a proper rent. But in return, the the owner of the place gets some stocks, right? So it's more like um. It's a seed house, basically. Yeah, like an incubator, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They give you some sort of services for, yeah, yeah, equity. Damn, man. So do you still have equity in that company or no? Of course not. Like, I, I think that I had to uh, vest it for at least like a year and a half or so. And when this we can't pay you situation happened the second time, I was like, I'm out. Like, I cannot be relying on this because... I actually need to like eat and pay rent and I'm like living on like I wouldn't say daily basis but like it's not like I can spare uh, some of my savings to pay my rent because I didn't have my salary right bro I had the best deal in Wiseline so I literally they paid for my rent for like a year and I could expense everything so you could have just crashed at my house and I could have bought you dinner like every single night and we would live like kings. But I think that this was after you left, actually. The best thing was that <laughs> since I, with this whole long distance relationship, at some point she was like, she was from the Netherlands. She was like, I'm, I'm moving to, to Mexico. And we're like, yeah, yeah, sounds like a plan. Let's do it. I got myself a bigger apartment. I got myself like, I got to spend like two or three times what I was spending uh, before and then it actually never happened that she moved there so I was like okay now I'm in this well not huge apartment but like bigger apartment that I actually need and uh, I need to pay rent and I'm not getting my salary so something needs to be done so I, I changed I decided to start looking for 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 jobs and then that that was a uh, another uh, one of these, I don't know what to call it, but sometimes um, life has a way of slapping you in the face. 
in really weird ways, right? So I joined this other company that it was doing, like the project itself was really, really nice. Uh, it was quite interesting. It basically uh, consisted in developing a sort of surveillance system uh, from scratch using deep learning for uh, keeping track of things in, in a warehouse, right? So there would be these this, uh, warehouses where trucks would be loaded up with a product of a certain brand. And uh, we would actually need to develop the whole system of like, okay, the, the truck is in the entrance. We can see the truck with a camera. We've detected it. We're reading the license plate. Okay, now it's on its way to the warehouse, to the um, loading area. Now it's there in the, in the loading area. Now the people are loading it up or sometimes unloading the empty boxes. And we would actually need to count how many uh, crates of, of the product were being loaded or unloaded, right? Um, all of this with uh, machine learning, with deep learning, right? And um, and it was pretty interesting. It was pretty um, pretty pretty good project. Uh, I think at the time it must have been uh, the first of its kind in Mexico, like developed by Mexican engineers, and it was super good. But the tricky part was that I was working with with these people for, let's say, I think like three or four months. And I was like, yeah, let's uh, let's do this. Let's keep on working on this. I'm really excited to keep the project going. Uh, the roadmap loop, uh, looked good. But I was like, okay, you guys, uh, what are we doing with uh, my contract, uh, my temporary contract, right? It needs to, like, we need to sign the, the permanent one. Uh, this was like three months in, right? And they're like, sure, uh, let us get back to you on that. When we start the, the year, we need to do some like uh, strategy, like company strategy things, uh, but we'll get back to you on that. I'm like, okay, whatever. So in my head, I was like, uh, maybe I won't wait until next year, but I'll wait a couple of weeks uh, and then get back to them on that. So I insisted, I think this was around December the 20th or something like that. So I was basically back in Mexico City to spend Christmas with my family and so on. But like you can imagine... Uh, December the 20th was pretty no one's doing shit basically right <laughs> because it's it's a Christmas break and so on so I talked to them I'm like guys I need to know what's the status on this permanent contract they said like okay yeah we're gonna work in it in the next couple of weeks but just a heads up we're not gonna be able to pay you what we were paying to you because we're gonna go through go through through some restructuring and it turns out that if we formally include you in the company, because before, of course, they were uh, resorting to outsourcing and that kind of deal, uh, we're going to have to pay quite a lot of taxes. So the budget is just not, it's simply not enough. So we were going to cut off like some salaries. And I'm like, no, this is not what we <laughs> talked about. Because when I told them I, I would join, I told them like, I need this amount because there's another guy this American dude that wanted me to be his first engineer in Mexico. And uh, he's offering like way more money than you guys are, but your project seems more interesting and I'd rather work at a Mexican company. And that came back to bite me in the ass. And then this guy's played that card. And I was like, if this is how we're going to deal with things, then I'm not on board anymore. So that was like the second half of 2018 was 
quite rough, man. I was like, Jesus, two like two of these situations in which uh, the project is looking good, the company is looking good, but then the money becomes an issue. And unfortunately, you still need your money. You know, like it's not about being greedy. It's about getting what you ask for and like getting what you like. There's a contract. There was an agreement, right? So those things happened just in the second half of 2018. That's fucked up. And then like, you know, if, if you worked, then you're expected to be compensated fairly and the agreed upon terms. You can't just can't just like, oh, oh, yeah, my kitchen looks really nice. Uh, by the way, I'm going to pay you half the amount because, you know, now you finished. Fuck you. Like, you know, you can't yeah. do that shit, right? Like that's that's uncalled for. So that was so unlucky. But th- this is super funny, right? So that happened, like, not that situation, but the funny thing is the fact that <laughs> you you work for these two companies and they're both like, motherfucker, we can't pay you. And you're like, I'm out. And then you're like, fuck money. I want to just go study in fucking Switzerland where it's <laughs> even more expensive and you're literally <laughs> earning nothing. What the fuck is up with you? Well, actually, I realized that I don't need money anymore. No, I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> no, it was actually like actually that that thing about having to because at the time I was like, okay, I'm done working with these people because I don't want to like we agreed to something and like my word is worth more than sticking because I could have said like, okay, I'm gonna take the the cut down that you're doing because it wasn't that much actually, but there was you know like principles involved. So I was like, I'm not gonna do this because I feel just. It's just not right, you know, especially because what I said, like I had agreed to work with these people for less than what other people were offering. Right. So that was a really a call for me to like sort of reevaluate what I wanted to do. And in the back of my head, there had been this this thoughts about like, maybe I should do a master's, you know, like I've always been interested in the really technical and in-depth part of, of algorithms, not just like seeing the product. Of course, I love to also see the product out there and deploy it and uh, and all these things but i'm really attracted to let's say cutting edge technology you know not just the the usual thing like oh yeah we're gonna do this uh loan approval thing or whatever right i want to get more in depth in the state of the art models and so on so i thought okay this is finally my time to first of all (laughs) finish that bachelor's uh thesis and get my diploma because I had left that, let's, let's just say I'm pending on the backlog. And then I thought like, okay, I'm going to give myself, this is the opportunity that I was looking for to give myself a couple of months to solely focus on this. And I won't have an excuse to not work on it, you know, because if you try to, I tried to do that. I really tried to <laughs> basically get it done while working. And it's just so difficult. You need to be a machine to be able to, be like, okay, it's seven, I'm done with work. Let's dedicate two hours of writing a thesis as it's meant to be, you know, that's really, really hard. And so I was like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity. Unfortunately, I had to leave my apartment in Guadalajara, which was a place that I actually loved, moved back into my parents' place, finished that thing. And then I applied to the masters and, uh, and I applied to, to, just two masters. Uh, it wasn't that many. One was in computational neuroscience in Berlin, 
And this other one was a master's in artificial intelligence in Switzerland, Lugano. So that's the Italian part of Switzerland. And I got in in this one in the artificial intelligence program. And it was really frustrating because in the uh, computational neuroscience program, they told me like, oh, this is a very demanded program. Uh, we usually have around 150 applications and only 15 people get in. Uh, this year we're taking 17 in, but you reached in number 23. So thanks, but no thanks. And I was like, oh shit. So that happened. And then I was, I was accepted. And then how are they different? Like, of course, the naming of the courses are different, but what is actually different about those courses? Well, uh, computational neuroscience focuses on how does certain uh, networks of the brain or solely neurons in the brain manage to do a computation. I know that this is not saying much, but like, for example, how do, for example, how do, how do we perceive sound? You know, like uh, sound is a vibration in the air. So if you think about it, it's a process of transforming uh, vibrations in the air into electricity. Electricity that will take place into in your head, right? Between neurons and uh, this whole networks of neurons, right? So uh, that is a certain kind of computation because, for example, you could be computing where is the sound coming from, right? This is a, an example I, I love uh, about how, how simple but also how complex and how just amazing the, the brain is. Like, overall, this is a very overall view of how, um, how does this work. And just a quick disclaimer: I'm not a neuroscientist. I I'm an applied. Oh, you're not. What? Oh, okay. Well, you might as well end the call. No, okay. I do have some understanding of, of 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 certain basic principles. So basically, for example, in in, in that uh, scenario where the brain sort of computes where the sound is coming from, right? So sound is going to travel through the air and it's going to reach both of your ears. Well, your your ears on your on your right side and then. Than on your left side, right? So it turns out that a certain, let's call it pathway of neurons from your left ear and from your right ear, they both have pathways into the center of your, of your brain. But the trick is that it turns out that one of these pathways is actually longer than the other one. So electricity is going to travel through both of those pathways because it's pretty much impossible that if, 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 if a wave of sound arrived to your left ear, it won't arrive to your uh, right ear, right? So you will have sound or induced electricity by sound coming through these both pathways. So the fact that one of these pathways is longer than the other one is causing that there is a delay in that electricity. Of course, one pathway or the electricity through that pathway is going to reach the center of your head faster than the other one right because it's longer right but it turns out that if the if, if if the sound was coming from the right then electricity also starts flowing before than the electricity that is flowing from the left side right so what i want to say is that the the brain figured out a circuit that relies on like physical distance to be able to say okay if these two impulses are arriving at the same time, it means that it first arrived from one side and then it arrived from the other side. So if they both collide in the middle, then the electricity is enough to shoot again another 
synapse, and then I say, oh, okay, this this uh, this sound is coming from the right side. And if if it if it's not, if that's not the case, if uh, they reach at different points in times, then the energy, the electricity, will not accumulate enough uh, to fire. And then you say, oh, it's coming from the right side. So. I probably messed it up. I said a lot of things and uh, maybe it wasn't so clear. But in the end, there's this, it's basically the computational neuroscience studies, these things and how can the brain actually do these computations of like computations, we just mean this, this straightforward things, which is like, how do you feel pain? Yeah. Or vision, right? Right, right. It's like, are, are your eyes looking at something that is tilted or that it's straight and, and, and this kind of stuff? So that is neuroscience. And AI, the, the, the buzzword of AI, is mostly machine learning, which means there's a certain algorithm that has a, a framework for learning certain patterns. And, uh, and you basically build upon that. You want to know like, okay, this algorithm is better than this other one. But this is interesting, right? Why would you choose, like, why would you apply for computation neuroscience? Because that's really got nothing to do really with the field that you're working on, which is deep learning and artificial intelligence and machine learning, all that stuff, right? The stuff that you were working on. So what's this interest with neuroscience and, and why neuroscience? Like, it does it help you in your job? It's funny that you say so, because for me, maybe it's because I've been involved in this, but like, for me, it's very clear that they are actually related. The, the, the whole thing about artificial intelligence is exactly that. How do we create systems that are, I don't know if as good as humans, but like right now there's a whole hype about it, right? And there are several examples where machines have outperformed humans, right? But like by far. And, uh, but basically the question is, how can we create intelligence? How can we create something that is really good at something that can help us out to perform certain tasks or solve certain challenges? And I think that's very related to understanding what is intelligence in our brain, right? Uh, not just, yeah, like if you think about it like at a, comp at a computational level, like, oh, this is the way that uh, humans can tell if the sound is coming from the right or from the left. Uh, Maybe not at that uh, level, but if you think about it, we really want to understand what is giving us intelligence, right? Basically, you could say that we haven't fully understand how the brain is able to learn, right? Which is something that we want in artificial intelligence. We want algorithms that are able to learn because one thing is having an algorithm that knows how to act and specific uh, situations, right? Like, oh, this is the case. Like I have input A, input B, then I should compute input C. More like almost as a, an if, right? If A, then whatever, and if B, then whatever, right? But we want more than that. We want something that is able to uh, generalize, right, from data. So I think that understanding how the brain is actually doing it uh, is a huge part of, of this, let's call it quest of the of the scientific community to bring to bring us closer to what usually they refer to uh, general artificial intelligence. Right. So it almost seems like there's a prerequisite. Like you can't study AI if you don't get how the brain works. You know, that's what we're trying to replicate with AI, right? General intelligence. 
So how does that work? How do you study, how do you do that? Where well, it's just the systems that we already have, right? Exactly. So you already know that there's a couple of algorithms that work fine for this, and you study in which scenarios or with which data is this algorithm efficient or good at it, right? I would I would say that uh, the goings about understanding intelligence and neuroscience is like more fundamental than applicable. If, if, if I would have to do a comparison, I would say like, it's like studying physics instead of studying engineering, if that makes any sense, you know, like, yeah. okay, one is more practical and the other one is more theoretical and like science focused, research focused, I would say. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think that that is a really good comparison, the physics and engineering, right? Yeah. Do you know this guy called Sam Harris? I do. He's a neuroscientist uh, that uh, does a lot of work related to mindfulness, uh, meditation. I think he has a, quite a couple of ventures, right? He has this waking up app. He has, uh, he used to have, like, I think he has a podcast, which is quite interesting, but I find it kind of, I was starting to, to follow it, but his uh, way to deliver the podcast is quite sketchy. Like he makes you go, to these random platforms that honestly I've never used before. Like you can only listen to an excerpt of it through Spotify because he, of course, like he wants to make it a business, right? Yeah, the way he monetizes it is interesting. I quite like it. It's kind of like an opt-in. And he, but he also, you can actually get it for free. So on that podcast, it says, look, if you just send an email to this, we, we grant 100% of the... For a year, right? So I, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? I actually like what he's doing he's doing so many interesting things i just can't stand his podcast when it's just him because he he makes me fall asleep because he's quite monotone right if he's just speaking by himself you're just like oh dude but then when he has guests on or when he's in a debate like the way he argues his debates are great you should definitely go watch them there's a good one with uh jordan peterson which is uh, a scientist as well but a uh, but a christian and he basically argues against like why he thinks religion is not a good place to build society around. Mm-hmm. It's really, really interesting. And also he's done a really good TED talk on AI, how how scary he thinks it is, right? When we reach yeah. general intelligence, considering we don't kill ourselves <laughs> through war or pandemic. Yeah, uh, we'll reach that point. Yeah, how he thinks about it, it's, it's just information processing, right? That's what we're just trying to get at. Fundamentally, that's all intelligence is. And when, when we can figure that kettle of fish out, we can then start to replicate it. Whether it's 100 years, 1,000 years, a million years, if the human race is still alive, basically, he says, is inevitable, which I think we will die before that. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think there's a chance in hell that we could reach to that. But I guess I'm a pessimist in that sense. What are your thoughts on Neuralink, the, the startup that Elon is backing, the one that's trying to map optics on your brain to sort of understand that what what is that to be honest i haven't done like full research about it i've read a couple of things and they have like this uh this white paper that they released but basically what i can see from that paper is that for the time being they've just focused on the hardware so basically to give a bit of context right what is Neuralink trying to do or what's the vision and this is actually, this is, I thought this was very related to UX, actually, which is quite interesting. So there is a fundamental issue between computers 
and uh, and humans, and that is the interface that we we use to communicate. And the interface right now they are limited. It's the keyboard, the mouse, the screen, right? We this uh, interaction that we have between the computers and ourselves rely on mainly these things, right? Maybe maybe also uh, speakers and and the mic, right? Uh, but basically, the way that we interact with computers comes down to a keyboard and a mouse, right? And, and of course, the screen. And so, of course, this was invented like a long time ago, right? Where, where this achievement of like having a computer was mind-blowing by itself. But now we've reached a point, and I think that a lot of people can really relate to this, is like as I type down, I am like 10 steps ahead in my head, and I have just typed down I am writing you this, right? And that is even like quite fast. Like some people become really fast at typing, but there's still uh, an interface uh, issue, right? Elon refers to this as a bandwidth issue. And so the dream is what if we could cut out the middle, the middleman, which is uh, the keyboard and, and the mouse. And what if we could somehow just like have our thoughts just directly into, into a computer, right? And that would be way faster. Like we wouldn't even have to bother to text. We would just like, we just thought about it and it's already in our phone and we sent the message, which if you ask me, it's not that smart because there's been quite a lot of times where I've been like, oh shit, I don't know if I should have sent that. Now that I think (laughs) about it, this might've been too. (laughs) Censor your brain. Like you can't say everything you think. Right. Otherwise, no. every relationship will just break down yeah. around you. Like, and, and those are the people that we think as weird, right? Like the people that have no filter, absolutely no filter between what they think and what they say. It's like, whoa, did you just say that? Which is kind of also quite interesting. Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> but well, going back to <laughs> go going back a bit to Neuralink, uh, what they're aiming to do is basically to bridge that bandwidth problem in which we can connect our brain to some computer and basically solve this bandwidth issue. But the point here is that in order to do that, you would basically the problem that we have right now is that a lot of techniques, technologies to read brain electricity are really noisy, right? There's a fMRI uh, scannings and uh, some electrodes as well. But the point is that it's very noisy because the brain is always firing, like different uh, parts of the brain are handling different uh, tasks and uh, the electricity that happens, is like it's really difficult to measure. So in the end, what these people want to do is to basically, they have already, I think, developed this technology in which they insert certain wires into your brain with a, like they, they had to develop that technology that implants these things into your head because like not even humans can do it it's it needs to be precise it's like on 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 magnitudes that humans cannot even see cannot even manage so they built this robot that it it is able to insert all of these wires into your brain they've tested it i think on rats and of course they need uh some permission from i think it's the fda to do it on humans right but uh, i think i think it's the way to go because there's two things fundamentally. One is evolutionarily speaking, <laughs> we got here because it was just advantageous for us to have a bigger brain, 
because you don't get eaten, you don't die. You start developing this, like the whole intelligence thing, right? That's uh, our biggest achievement as a species, let's say. And the thing is that with intelligence, you could cook, you could build spears, whatever, you name it, right? Like, so through evolution. You're saying I'm stupid because I can't cook. Like, what's up? Well, that's the thing, actually. Now, it's not paying off anymore to be smart, <laughs> apparently. To thrive, to survive in this world, it's, uh, uh, it doesn't pay off to have a bigger brain. So evolutionary speaking, it's very unlikely that our brains will continue to, to grow and to develop more cognitive capacities, right? So what's Elon's response to this? We should augment our intelligence with AI because AI is basically already outperforming us in so many different ways. And his biggest example is like, how smarter are you with your phone, right? With or without a phone, is there a difference in the things that you can do? And I think that we can all agree that the answer is yes, right? Like, right. first of all, like we don't need to store all this information right, in our brains, like just literally storing all this information because it's there. It's in your phone. And so that gives you already an edge. You don't need to store all this information. You just need to be able to process it or you just need to be able to access it, right? So his claim is... If we have a standing chance against AI, against the, the singularity, as some people call it, then it has to be that we enhance ourselves with AI, right? That will be able to aid us in, in, in some, some way. That's his, I think that's his main, that's his vision, you know, like he, he has a vision for all of his companies. He says like, okay, we need to build uh, electric cars because the, the emissions are going to fuck us up. So we need to build a company that is just electric cars. And, and, and then Solar City, the same thing. We need to create energy out of the sun because, again, the emissions are going to kill us. So he built Solar City. So another threat that he thinks is imminent for the human race is the AI. So his way of saying, like, we need to at least put up a fight is let's enhance ourselves with, um, with AI, right? But I think that Neuralink has just tackled the hardware problem uh, but there's still some work to be done on the how do we actually perform this enhancement, right? Like there's still like a, a certain process to to go through in order to make use of this of the fact that now we could be finally we're gonna be cyborgs, man. It's it's here. Let's say in a year's time they're doing this special project, right? Somewhere in the US, they're not gonna tell you the location, but they're like, you know, would you like to be a part of this study? Would you openly let them drill holes in your head with a robot? <laughs> and then also, not only are you the subject of the study, but you're also the scientist behind it, right? You kind of want to figure out what's happening and mm -hmm. then design a system that then you can interface with because you're experiencing it as well. So you're, right. you're playing both. Would that be something you would be interested in as a, you know, someone that's keen on the subject? First of all, let me say that that's very like that's no, you're <laughs> no, like, Fuck no, that. no, 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 no. I'm saying <laughs> before I give my answer, I want to say that this is a very old school thing to do. You know, like it, now it's not a, a a standard thing that scientists use themselves as tests as guinea pigs, right? Uh, now it's like no, no, no. I'm the scientist. <laughs> Get me some subjects or whatever. But before it was like, yeah, I'm gonna try it myself. You know, you can ask good old Dr. Hoffman about it. I was thinking about this, uh, not only if, if I would be up for the experiment, but the scientist, uh, 
And the answer is that I would say yes, but it's a very tricky question because there's two aspects to it. First is like, okay, the first thing that comes to mind to me is what if this gets commercial, right? But it's really outside the reach of a lot of underprivileged people, right? So basically it's going to cost money. It's going to cost you a lot of money at the beginning. And who's going to be able to afford it? Well, only wealthy people. And they're going to get smarter. That's the hypothesis at least. And and then what? So we're like the inequality gap is going to just be wider, right? It's just going to be bigger. And uh, if you ask me, I think that that's the problem with a lot of societies uh, right now. Like, the social tissue is just like, there's a lot of resentment, right? Bef- between people that barely manage to survive on a daily basis. And there's these other people that are insanely rich, right? Like, for example, this Mexican guy that is the richest motherfucker on earth. And then Mexico is not, it's far from being, being a developed country, right? So there's that thing which is probably something that will also happen with genetic experiments, right? So genetic modification and stuff like that, it looks like it's going to be happening in the coming years. But of course, it's going to be expensive. And again, like only uh, wealthy people are going to be able to take advantage of that. But I think going back to the original question, I think it's really interesting to... I mean, I do see the point of like not experimenting with your own, <laughs> uh, with your own stuff, and like being a guinea pig yourself. But I also think that there is a really interesting approach on like, okay, I'm the subject myself. I'm designing this, and of course, there's going to be a bias. But if I don't test it myself, how can I understand this? Right? Like, that's what Albert Hoffman was doing with LSD. He was like, I need to, I need to understand what's happening. I need to know. What is it that uh, that is happening? And actually, his first intoxication was not even on purpose. He, I think, he touched something, and the, the the concentration was so big that he accidentally got high. So, like, the first LSD trip was not even on purpose, and it was probably the strongest LSD trip anyone has ever had because it was like the pure form, and it was just synthesized in a lab, so it was like pure as fuck. So he must have had like wow. I cannot even imagine that. And then he went back cycling to his cow, to his house. <laughs> so that must have been a ride. But yeah, like being the being the subject of your own medicine or, or your own experiment. That's uh, something that it's kind of lost. Yeah, and and I think because this is like so close to the human experience, right? I think like if I was a scientist, then no question, because I wouldn't know what it's like. If we could get into the brain and understand the brain, you know, and map like everything out, you could read it on a screen. How are you supposed to design a system which is completely, what what are you going to do? Use the interviews? (laughs) Like literally, like how, how, how do you do it? How do you record people's thought in order to like really understand it? Scientists will have to do this or at least provide really valuable input, or at least the subjects will have to understand it from the scientific point of view as well as their normal human experience. I think, yeah, being like completely immersed, I think would be a good thing. And maybe it's like, you know, uh, they they won't be like, I don't know, so close to the research when it's on themselves, they could work on other research. So it kind of inherently kills that bias because the data set might be a bit different or or however... They, 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 they choose to police it, right? And to remove that bias. But I think that would be 
a really interesting thing. But you would do it is 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 the answer, right? Like both sides, you would study it and you also get the drills in the head. Yeah, I think. What happens if it was the dick? What happens if the drill was in your dick? I don't know, man. Those are sacred parts, <laughs> and uh, no one should measure with. <laughs> for the sake of science. Do it for the science. Oh no, it's just science, bro. That's what it's all about. <laughs> no, but uh, I think that if it comes to commercial levels in our lifetime, I would do it just because, like, otherwise you're like in a clear disadvantage with everyone else. But then I thought about it, and I'd be really like, okay, so I would sort of calculate what would be the end of my productive life and then just take it off. It's a black mirror kind of thing, right? Like in this, probably the best uh, or at least top episode of Black Mirror in which they're the entire history of you, something like that, where they can record every single thing. And yeah. as I saw it a long time ago, I was like, if this was true, there's no way that you won't end like fucked up. It's like huge scars on your on your psyche. Because you're not meant to do that. Like we can we can see it now. Like of course, Black Mirror takes the current situation or the current technologies and just takes it ten steps further. But we are already like sort of uh, living this, right? Like the fact that we sort of record ev- almost every single thing that we're experiencing. That is also like a huge topic on on neuroscience and and psychology. Is like, are we meant to? be able to go through all these memories like are we let's say psychologically ready to be able to navigate the past and 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 some of the things that people have seen is like due to this capability of like almost it's almost like being able to travel to the past right you cannot travel to the future but you can travel to the past people have seen that like this generation and uh, and I cannot even think what's going to happen with like millennials and millennials and all these new generations that are born with it. They really struggle to deal with letting go, letting go of the past, letting go of uh, like you know this ended and that's it. Especially like relationships and so on. It's really shown that when we have this kind of of of, of tools that we firstly designed to you know like be more productive and and and, and so on now people really struggle to just leave things in the past where they belong or where they are right but yeah i would i would get those things in my head try to be productive as fuck try to not lose um a competitive advantage or whatever and then just i don't know when i'm 60 something just get it get it out of my head and uh just live normal life i guess it's a, it's, yeah, it's, live it's a hobo life right yeah it's a whole i think it's a whole debate of like how how far are you willing to get technology involved with you? And like, is it fundamentally breaking the the standards of your life? Like the values that you have? Like, I don't know. I'm sure that there must be people that will be like, no, I would never enhance myself with, with a certain surgery or whatever. And like, I am my, I don't know, like my intelligence is what I have and that's it. I'm, I'm not enhancing it, right? Uh, but yeah, it comes down to... I guess, like, what's the balance that you want to keep for yourself or for your life? And, like, how how big are you on, on adapting technology to your life or something? Yeah, when, you, when you're talking about that modification, right? It, like, so now we're talking about intelligence modification, but then we could go, you know, a step further on genetics. Yeah. 
maybe we'll all look the same, same eye color, same hair color, same skin color, same physique, you know, same attributes. You know, we're not that far off from doing that. And then that poses the also question, are we, are we meant to fucking play God, right? Yeah. And there's this really good movie that's, that does that, right? So basically the premise of this movie is like everybody needs to have perfect genes, right? So it's a class-based system. And if you have this perfect, like, like if you're, it, yeah, that's it. I, I think that's I, right. I can't remember the whole thing, but I sort of remember the, the, the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was basically the premise of that, right? Like some people are born with better genes than other, and then you're in this certain class and you get all these things you can work at a company. So you're just treated better. And the people who don't get it are like the, the bottom of the barrel. Like they're, they're the ghetto motherfuckers that you, you know, in the favelas or whatever. So, and it's just like that could be a realistic way that we're heading, right? And, and that's just not even with super intelligence, right? Because maybe yeah. some people think that intelligence is tied inherently with their genetics. But if we, if we say you can look the perfect way with the perfect attributes, and then you just plug your body to the internet or to whatever, right? And then it's like, is that the perfect human form? And then you just replicate that seven yeah. billion times and we just have the perfect human race. That's probably not it, right? There's like an element of like like being spiritual as, as humans, right? Like Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, this is the existential question that I think everybody's like who thinks about this kind of thing kind of battles with like, is it right? Is it wrong? Yeah, I don't know. It's almost as if we go back to like a certain kind of uh, caste system, right? Before, people used to think that, oh, because you come from this, like, it could arguably be said that they were already thinking about genes, right, about genetics. But now you could be like, oh, now we have like an actual scientific proof that this kind of people is better. But I think that also it's been being observed, let's say, that in order for these things to happen, there also needs to be a certain element of randomness, like, Yes. When you... Yes. You don't want to inbreed. Yeah. If you have exactly. the similar gene pools, it just doesn't breed better genes. Exactly. And those are tough questions. Uh, I don't think that we're ready to answer them. Uh, like, like not not even you and me. For sure, not you and me. Oh, I'm but... ready to. Yeah, I'm ready to answer <laughs> these. Man. Like, I'll tell you if it's good or not. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, for me, it it does sound like okay. You can do it. Fine. Let's think about it first. Uh, it's good that you're exploring the possibility of whether we should do it, like whether we are actually able to do it or not. But there's also this thing in which you sort of need to think uh, whether you should or you shouldn't. And like, if you do, if it would be great if everyone could be like enhanced for, for the whole sake of human race, right? Because like something that we haven't even tackled because we are very, we, we can't see very far away, like from a, from a human's perspective to think of like, I don't know, problems of 20, 50 years, it's very hard for us, is like climate change, right? So if, if in a way we could all enhance ourselves to be able to see this, this problematic and, and to be able to take care of it, then that would for sure be beneficial for everyone, right? People would be more conscious about like their habits and all this kind of stuff that we actually, like, that's, it's crazy, right? How is it that people are worrying about general artificial intelligence that will kill us or people are worrying about like, oh no, like genetic experiments are going to create a bigger inequality gap. But I mean, people are worrying about uh, climate change, but clearly like there's not enough being done, right? Yeah, I mean, like we're, we're, we're stuck 
or certain parts of the population are stuck on, you know, whether to stay inside or not. You know, what the fuck are you talking about, man? This is easy. That should be easy. Like, you know, if you're one of those lucky people that can stay inside, you fucking should. But now it's all like, oh, no, you're infringing on my human rights. You know, this is a conspiracy. Like, like, come on, man. Like, we got that, you know, people get strung up on all sorts of stupid shit that they just don't understand. And you're right. Like, they can't see not just 20 years, but like the immediate issue. Like, they can't, they yeah. can't even see the bigger picture of what's happening in the world right now. So I want to go back to this point. Do we need general intelligence if we can upgrade our minds into a machine because this is why uh, i think we don't because then the machine or your mind will have ethics will have morals but you still uh you know your processing speed will still be slower right because machines can process you know a million times quicker or whatever but at least there's ethics attached to it so when we like let's say upgrade all the top scientists mind and and all, all the good people of the world they could work towards a problem just at a like better bandwidth, but the processing speed is just not enough. And so maybe you just build stupid machines like the ones we have now that could basically do these calculations super fast, but they can't do it outside of it. And then it's the best of both worlds because we're not like, this machine will eventually kill us because it's only doing one job and like playing Go or fucking, I don't know, building buildings and that's it. It's not thinking about like other shit that we can't, ever predict right because we don't know how machines really think if it was to be sentient or whatever like would would that be a better approach upgrade the humans and then build sophisticated machines that just do a, like basic jobs that we design them to do because of our super brains i have no clue man but um one thing that i that i read recently is that for example there was this guy i think i might misquote but I'm pretty sure that it was this guy called Mark Manson. He's uh, the famous author from The Subtle Art of Nugging a Fuck. And I recently read his newest book, which is called Everything's Fucked, <laughs> a book about hope. Uh, which I, <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty compelling title. Marketing strategy for sure. But I quite liked it at the, at the beginning. It really talks about like how, how we think and how we have these two different frameworks of thinking one is like the what he calls the thinking brain and this other one is the 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 feeling brain right because one thing is thinking and the other one is like basically our very basic uh reactions or or feelings right and then like that's like let's say sort of the first half of the book and then towards the end he starts talking about like ai and why we shouldn't really be so scared about it the general bit of it and one thing I do remember that he wrote was that we shouldn't be scared about AI because it will probably won't kill us because, for example, we are smarter than, let's say, chimps, right? And it's not like it's in our best interest to kill them all. We just, if, if we see, like, this is a very generic and broad example, but like, if we see that a group of chimps is killing each other, then we just separate them and we put them into a zoo or something and we feed them. And so basically his point is like, if the machines are like that much more intelligent than us, then they are probably not threatened. They will, they won't feel or they won't think that we are a threat. So they will probably just keep us as pets or something like that. And uh, I, I don't know, man, like I think that 
the, the idea of enhancing ourselves with artificial intelligence is that we are able to perform all these things that computers are better at, so like faster uh, processing power. Uh, but I think that we still haven't figured out yet as, let's say, as a scientific community, because in this one I could, I'm not sure if just yet, but maybe I could be involved in this artificial community thing. But I think that we still haven't figured out how to, for example, how do we build a system that is equally good at solving different tasks in, in one same core algorithm, right? And on that like stream of thought, we don't even know how those, like, I don't think that, that algorithms are aware of themselves. This is one of our finest traits, right? As humans, like we are aware of, each, of, of ourselves we see each other in the mirror and we know it's us. We uh, do this thing of like placing ourselves in the world and so many things that we give for granted that we don't even think about it anymore, which is fine because otherwise we would be just tripping balls all the time. But basically it comes down to consciousness. And this is something that is also super interesting because we haven't actually found uh, as a human race, where is consciousness like? There's so many theories about consciousness and there's one is as wild as the other one, but like in different directions, right? Like some people say that consciousness is not even in the brain, right? The only reason or one of the few reasons why we say that consciousness is in the brain is because that's the only place where we can track our thoughts. But no one has been like, this is a part of the brain where that gives us consciousness, right? Like some people say like, oh, uh, it's the prefrontal cortex because this is where we do our decision making and this is where we do like all the self thinking or it's not even proven it's just there's been some association right some electric electric activity happens in the prefrontal cortex when we're thinking about ourselves and so on but it's not even proven so we haven't actually reached a point in which we can say consciousness takes place on the brain right and this is where I think that we are at a plateau of ideas and of knowledge, we really don't know where to look at. And like right now, the tools, the, the knowledge that we have is just not enough to even begin to wonder if maybe the, the, the consciousness happens outside of our bodies, you know? Like there's a lot of theories that consciousness happens outside of us, and, uh, but we cannot even understand that. Right, we cannot even like develop on those series because we just we just simply don't know. Back to your analogy of uh, chimps, right? We don't really yeah. care about them. They're they're sort of out, out out of mind, out of sight. And when they start wars, we don't really give a fuck unless we we feel good that day and we're like, okay, let's put them in a the zoo or whatever, right? But uh, there's a there's the analogy right of ants that Sam Harris talks about where it's like we don't really think about ants uh and we don't really go out of our way to exterminate them until they cause a nuisance you know when they're in your house then you're like all right let me find the nest and fucking wipe them out right yeah but that could be like you know i'm not saying that machines and artificial intelligence would do that and who knows if they even have morals and ethics they probably don't you know they're not inherently going to be like humans evil right they might not even have a concept of good and evil what they might do instead, and this is another analogy from him, is 
imagine they wanted to build the biggest paperclip in the world, like just randomly, right? Just because <laughs> it, it figured out that a big paperclip means it's cool, right? Or whatever, whatever you know, that's his uh, prerogative. Then it's just going to start thinking a way around how to optimize and build the biggest fucking paperclip that the world has ever seen. <laughs> and when humans get in the way of that, for example, like houses, right? Or they need raw materials. It's just going to take all the raw materials on earth without yeah. even thinking because no, I just need to do this one thing and I'm just like stuck on it. Right. Like, cause it has no like inherent direction or, or moral compass to guide it. So that's the danger that I think a lot of people are worrying about the unpredictability of it and being humans is kind of like nuclear war, right? It's kind of just like, oh shit, that guy might have a bigger stick. So I want to build the bigger stick so yeah. that guy can shut the fuck up. And so it's like, all the, like you know, we're, we're, we're a paranoid creature, right? I think that's just because of our makeup and animals in general in the world, right? Being hunted by predators. And so we have this innate thing in us being like, oh shit, we're going to die. Machines don't have that. And I think that's no. really dangerous. Right, like, in, in a sense, for our own safe being, of course, because that's. But maybe it would be like pursuing some completely novel idea, for example, like you know, printing Arabic backwards, like it just printed, like or whatever, right? Like it's just like that is not value to anybody. Like there's no value. You can't put a stop to that. That's what they say, right? There's no putting brakes on it. So once it's become that state, then there's almost nothing you could do and it is just out there right like yeah yeah i think yeah just like you said the the biggest fear is there's no break to it and we're yeah we just want to push this thing forward and into being like more intelligent more intelligent what whatever like that means right right now more intelligent becomes uh i think the problem this i think this is where it comes down to right now we're pushing it for or artificial intelligence to reach human level performance in almost every realm, right? Like, and outperform us in, in, in a lot of them because it comes down to computation, right? So, for example, this really cool uh, example is uh, the artificial intelligence for playing Star Trek, right? No, not Star Trek, sorry, StarCraft, right? Just like now, it's pretty much impossible to win against that thing, right? Because they've developed this way of it's playing against itself which is super fucking weird. It's like if you just like stand up, go to the other side of the chessboard and you do another move and then, but you're always trying to win. Like, I think that that's a extra ability that we cannot have as humans, right? And of course, like the machine doesn't need to eat so it doesn't get interrupted and doesn't need to sleep, so stuff like that. But, okay, so going back to, this because this is all speculation right like no one really knows what's gonna happen this is just speculation and of course people really just want to be precautious about it like basically let's not shoot ourselves in the foot right or in the head but this is my take okay so i think that if we're gonna build this thing that is gonna be the singularity or the general artificial intelligence it must since we built it and it's good like its own sense of awareness, if we ever manage to build something that has a self-sense of awareness, it's going to come down inherently from us because we are giving it all its input, right? Like, it's not going to have a different cosmology on things. Like, it will have a certain amount of influence, right? And 
And of course, like if you think about it, uh, there's going to be this weird random, not random, but probably very weird process in which it's going to absorb all the information that has happened in the world, right? Like we managed to digitalize history of mankind. And even before that, like we, we have information on dinosaurs or whatever, right? It's just like when, do you remember this movie with, I forgot his name, but uh, Bruce Willis, uh, The Sixth Element or The Fifth Element, something like that? Fifth Element, yeah. Great movie. One of the best. <laughs> he has a great Dude, he's got the highest voice ever. And he's like, come on, man, come on, man, come on, man. Oh, man, I love that movie so much. But do you remember this uh, scene in which, what's the name of the girl? Resident Evil Girl. Mila Jobovich, I think? Anyways, the point is that she's like, in the story of this movie, she's like this... Like almost like savior, right? Sent to Earth, and like I don't know, I can't remember the story very well. But apparently, besides she being like this badass girl, she's also super smart and super intelligent. And there's this scene in which she like starts looking at TV or something, and she sort of goes through all of the history of mankind and all of this, and she just starts crying, right? And she's like, "Oh, I'm heartbroken because like, why are you such pieces of shit? You, <laughs> yeah. you, Bruce Willis, why are you such a piece of shit?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh if that's like that's sort of how i imagine that it could happen but at the same time if we really think about it then it's going to develop a higher sense of morality than us right like and if you think about it right now there's some humans that really don't give a shit about the environment for example they don't really give a shit about like polluting uh, the ocean or like if I need to cut down this forest and kill everything that is inside it, I'm just going to do it. But there are also humans that don't want that, right? Uh, so if it's going to develop these values, right, it's, and, and the way to, do, to develop that is through the general ingestion of like all this knowledge, then it's going to take also into consideration what Greenpeace is doing or what, like, I don't know, like just all this information of people fighting for these uh, selfless causes, right? Like protection of, 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 of animals. Like that really gives you no, it's, it's just selfless, right? The idea is that if you're protecting like the oceans, if you're against climate change, if you're protecting endangered species, then the machine will also sort of analyze that, right? And it should take it into consideration. I think that's the trick. Somehow we have to align it to what we care about, right? It has to be based on humanity's values and morals. It can't be like, all right, now you've analyzed this data, make your own mind up because maybe it will have his own mind because how do you program mor morals and values? Is it a variable? Like what, what is it? Is it a class? Oh, we don't like, even know. Right? So... When you watch uh, iRobot, there's the three laws of robotics, right? And I just want to read them out here. The first one, a robot must not injure a human or allow another human being to come into harm. The second law is a robot must obey the orders given to from a human being. And then the third one is a robot must protect his own existence if it doesn't conflict with the other two. So maybe there's like fundamental, hardwired laws. Also, the danger of this, right? Like, you know, where we say, or oh, the machine needs to embody these human values and, and, and the way we see the world and, and all that stuff. But it's not good. That's not the easiest way to do it, right? People are racing to build like the best 
the most clever machine. It's the, it's an arms race. It's the next space race. So people aren't going to give a fuck about that stuff. They just want the if I can like build this, I've basically won the world, right? I've basically I'm going to make trillions of dollars. So they're not even going to care about that because we're a very selfish kind of society we live in, right? There's not this higher purpose a lot of the times, you know. Of course, I'm speaking generally. But how realistic is that? Basically, it also depends on which, uh, like, who builds it, one, you know, uh, what, what company it is, and, and, like, what sort of era we're in. Are we in, you know, is it going to be 100 years down the line when more people are sort of woke or more people are uh, aligned to what humanity thinks about? You know, because if we did it in, like, the 20s, 1920s, fuck, we would have, every like, you know, human humankind would have been, like, non-existent, right? Like, nobody gives a fuck, right? But I think that's the, that's the whole argument of some optimistic people about it, that it doesn't matter, really, who built it. Like, yes, you're, like, in theory, if you bias the algorithm, it's going to, like, behave in a way that you expect it to, to, to behave because you're biasing it, but... Other people are like, if we really want an AGI, then it must ingest all the knowledge, all the information we have. And so in that way, you can't really bias it. You could, I mean, if you don't allow it to see everything, then you could bias it. But the idea is that every time in in machine learning, at least every time we say the more, the better, right? Like the more information, the better that you're able to generalize things. So in that in that case, I think that it's like the optimists say that it's going to develop uh, a higher moral moral sense, right? So it's going to like basically be like, look, you dumb fucks. You don't know what the fuck you're doing with your world. So we're going to keep you on lockdown for the next 10 years because, uh, because clearly there's been a decrease in emissions and in, clearly if we don't keep it up, you're going to die, right? This kind of stuff. But to be honest, I think that uh, right now, everything is speculation. Like there's no clear path of like how this is going to turn out. I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful about it. Like I'm sure that there at least needs to be efforts from people uh, into thinking this kind of stuff. Like you shouldn't just be like blindly building things or releasing them, let's say releasing them, right? Something that is like going just uh, a bit back to the StarCraft uh, example, what this thing managed to show was that it was particularly good resource planning. So that is something that we might be interested in, right? Like we we should be really interested in resource planning. Like, okay, uh, clearly the human species is very inefficient at long-term planning. So if we can use something that is clearly better than us at long-term planning, why, why don't we use it, right? So that could be an example of optimistic optimistic scenarios in which they actually help us out rather than kill us, right? Yeah, but we don't need AI for that, is my argument, right? Or we need a machine that could 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 learn in a very sophisticated way, in a narrow sense, right? Because then it's like, get really good at resource planning, you know, solve space issue in cities. It's too urbanized. Plan mixed mixed-use buildings like you know we give it parameters and then it could do whatever it wants and it could churn out like the most optimum uh, structure and system but the idea is we tell it what's good not it just solving yeah yeah you like if you don't put a box around it 
it's like, oh, well, you know, the most efficient way is if no humans are there, right? You know, that's like the, 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 the other spectrum, right? That's why people are like, oh, no. Like, the way I'm speaking is like I'm a pessimist, right? But that's only because of the stuff I've been taking in. I don't necessarily believe it. And I'm all for general intelligence anyway. I think it'll probably do more good than bad. I think, yeah, talking about it is is, is just interesting in general. Like uh, the realms that you can play around with in your mind of what it could be and what it couldn't be. Like you said, I think it's definitely important for people to think about this. Like at least think about it. Okay, yeah, maybe right now it's not a reality that some computer is going to kill us, right? And if that's a sci-fi thing and, and so on. But just like you said, it's interesting because it also gets you the way that I see it, and this is like sort of what happened to me, like I got more and more interested in neuroscience when I was thinking like, how is like, how does this actually happen in the brain? Like, why are like, why is something that is so clear to me, not so clear to computers? There's what is the main difference, right? And then you, you go back to the fundamentals, like the computation, the way that the computation is being done is not the same, right? Like the electricity that happens in our brain is chemical based right so it's not even like the same kind of electricity that happens in computers and and then like even in even further back which is like something that is also quite interesting and that's what you were talking about um harris like consciousness like is it even happening in the brain right like like how do we know how do we know that uh that our consciousness is what makes us human right like what if consciousness also takes place outside of humans right we don't know right so this is these are all things that the more abstract that you can think the more that you're like literally your man your mind expands right like you're able to think in different terms you're able to approach situations uh, like from different perspectives and like your framework of thinking is just bigger and bigger right so i think that it's a great exercise right yeah it's a great exercise but we're going to be working on these problems right like there's already great work that's happening, like as we speak, and like you know, we're not maybe at the top of our game, but we will be. And then, our, and then, like what we talk about to our kids is probably what they would fear more or whatever, right? But if we don't start speaking about things like this, then basically nobody will, right? Like you, you know, you know, and it's typically like the public intellectuals and the scientists talking about it. You know, science is getting more and more sexy these days, but maybe that's just one of those curves that it won't get sexy. And then like, you know, fucking showbiz will be sexy and blah, 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 blah. We're going to be working on this shit though. Like it's like people working at NASA, but on a larger scale, because you can fucking do it from your computer at home. Now you don't need to go to fucking Houston, right? Like, yeah, that, you know, knowledge workers just like, so diverse now you can do it anywhere so yeah imagine working on these intelligent systems right it's just it's just one of those things that you have to think about i think i saw that Neuralink had some like job posts and i was like oh shit is this happening or what? <laughs> <laughs> no no i've read how is it to work under this guy and i'm like no for sure not we're looking for a mexican uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really look Mexican, so he doesn't get deported. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll pretend he's Spanish, you know, like, and then we'll we'll start drilling holes in the or whatever. We'll pretend that he's anything but Mexican. Bad hombre. <laughs> yeah. Alright, bro. Look, so let's end it here. Always good to catch up, brother. So, 
where can the people find you? I do some writing. Uh, it hasn't been that extensive as I would like it to be, but you can uh, find me on Medium, uh, Diego, A-G-H-E-R. And uh, I usually also try to be artsy and shit because there's this other whole side of things that I'd like to explore too. So A-G-H-E-R on Instagram if you want to see some like scenery shit that I enjoy taking photos of. Switzerland is like really good for that, so it's been helpful. <laughs> it's got great scenery, and uh, yeah, you can find me at Semi Growing Kid. Cheers, guys, for listening. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Take care. Stay safe. <laughs>